it's so hard, but keep in mind that people took a very long road to get to where they are, especially if they're doing amazing, incredible work. So, you know, just keep your head down and focus on you when you're first starting out, but like look to them for inspiration. What's going on? You're listening to episode 86 of the Perspective Podcast, and I'm your host, Scotty Russell of Perspective Collective. This show is about carving out time to build something for yourself. I want to share what is and isn't working for me, along with sharing my guest point of view. This platform also allows me to cast a spotlight and celebrate those creating big waves in the community through interviews and a weekly dose of inspiration in the outro. So stick around to the end because it could be you. Again, super quick announcement. I announced it last week, but August 17th, mark it on your calendars. This is the next pop-up crop, and this one is hosted by my homies Lincoln Design Co., Matt Dawson of Stay Gray Pony Boy, and the homies over at Industry Print Shop in Portland. And Matt has sold out every crop event that he's thrown. This one is going to be a big one itself, a one-day fiesta where you get to chop it up with not only those cats, but also people like Benny Gold, Mark Bricky from the Adventures in Design podcast, Lisa Congdon, Jason Craig, and Tina Snow Lay. And again, the pre-party the night before is going to be at Lincoln Studio. It's going to be dope. I wish I could be there, but that's why I need you to go there to party for me. I promise this one will sell out. So swoop your tickets today at popupcrop.com. All right. Now that that's out of the way, let's start this episode off with a little bit of tough love. So you and I, we all have dreams and wish they could manifest as quickly as it is to put leftover pizza in the microwave. And voila, you have the best lunch in all the land. Unfortunately, we live in this microwave society and it's easy to lose sight of the long game and the slow and steady grind that comes with it. Okay, We get so wrapped up in wishing things could happen immediately that we lose patience. Within that daily grind though, we learn a lot about ourselves. We're able to find our voice, our style, build amazing relationships, and most importantly, hone our craft. The process allows us to grow on the way to the destination, but hopefully we never fully arrive and cap our potential. Pursuing your hobby, then morphing it from side project into a budding creative career takes courage, sacrifice, and risk. It requires saying yes and figuring it out along the way, learning to say no, super late nights, super early mornings, and the ability to keep pushing your story forward even when it's not convenient. I feel you'll eventually come to a point where you busted your ass so much that you will face a fork in the road. Do you play the safe path you've always known, or do you take a leap of faith and risk it for the biscuit? Cue today's guest, Lisa Quine, one of Cleveland's rising creative talents. She's built quite a name for herself over the years, and I often wonder, does she sleep? I wonder this because this chick is a machine, and she constantly kicks out new work left and right as she carves out a small path of the universe for her own. She not only is a successful letterer, but she teaches workshops, she does public speaking, she creates products, she hosts art galleries, and has become the go-to muralist in her world from my outside perspective looking in. 
Lisa knows what it's like to build that creative career outside a day job, and that's why she's here today. However, this past year, she was faced with that fork in the road, and she had a decision to make. She's been risking it for the biscuit, full-time freelance ever since, tagging up all of Cleveland with their sick murals, legally, of course, I hope. And in today's episode, we chop it up over topics like the importance of routine and balancing your time, personal development, priorities and values, finding time to grind and shine, her client process, and her must-haves for being stranded on an island. You can find the show notes to this episode jam-packed with all of Lisa's gorgeous work and everything we reference at perspective-collective.com slash 86. If you found value in this episode, please consider supporting the show by becoming a pledger at patreon.com slash perspective podcast. With as little as your weekly cup of coffee, you can help this show reach more people who need it while helping me continue to improve the quality and bring on more help because it's a lot to do outside of a day job. What also helps the show grow is by sharing the show on social media, subscribing and leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you're a United States listener because for some reason you can't read reviews from people outside of the United States, which is so dumb. I don't understand that. But in the outro of each episode, I share a review from people like you so I can publicly return the love. And finally, if you catch some inspiration from the show, create some artwork and tag me at Perspective Podcast on Instagram. I'll give it a share where I post each week's episode artwork and make sure you get some credit. Let's get into the show. these murals because I could like learn so much about the history of Cleveland and the history of these companies. You are on fire. Like, do you even, do you have like your next six months like scheduled out with work already? No. Um, I actually have a game plan for that though, but July, I'm like, I, I accidentally jam packed June. So July I'm taking a break because that'll be like a halfway mark for the business being open too. So it's going to be a time of reflection and like where I see myself this fall, the next year, the next five years and stuff like that. So reflection time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You've been nonstop. So me, yes, I've been busy, but yours is on like a different scale. Uh, I don't know about that. Nonstop. You're a creation machine. Like I'm a content and weaving things in and out outside of it. But like, if I could just draw every day, which it seems you do, like, I would be, you know, peak happiness. So, oh my god, yeah. But like, I I have been in your footsteps before, like, um, with a full time job and doing like as much as I could outside of work. So I definitely know that struggle too. And it, like, you you definitely need a break, or else you start hating what you love. <laughs> yeah, you start grinding yourself in the ground. But that's why you're here because you know the day job grind, and now you have taken that step. So I think people can find a lot of value and insight with it. On top of you do the speaking, on top of the workshops, like you you do it all, murals, lettering. So how do you, how do you do it? You know, I'm I'm skipping a proper introduction. You know, I want to dive right into this right now. But you know, how do you balance the time around everything? Um, <laughs> so I, I was gonna talk about this later, but um, we'll just go right into it. The questions aren't structured. It it'll go all over the place. So perfect. Okay. Um, I actually like that format. So in the middle of the craziest time of my life, when I was wedding planning, when I had a full-time job, I had a lettering side hustle, and I was preparing a 
speech for the first time ever, which I was terrified to do. You did great, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, I, it was months and months and months of writing that speech and research. So one of the books I was reading at the time was, or listening to, was called uh, the, Checklist, the Checklist Manifesto. And it's just all about how all these different professions, like being a doctor, being a pilot, everyone has a checklist and how studies have shown that having this checklist, like this procedure for someone to simply follow is so helpful. So I've been working on my own set of checklists and um, it definitely helped me in the busiest time because I had like a simple app, Wonder Wonderlist. Yep, I, I rock it every day. Oh my God, see, it's, it's so nice and so simple, but just having a list of to-dos, the one downside to that though is when the list gets like too long. Um, but another book that the Productivity um, Project, they said just, knock out the easiest task on the list and that'll give you confidence to knock out something bigger. And so just keeping those little tips in mind definitely helps. So you live a pretty structured life because Eric Marinovich basically says he goes with the flow with a lot of things. And me, I'm like oh my God. hyper, I, I'm like hyper structured. I plan everything the day before, but with a day job that eats up 40 hours of your work week. So you have to be intentional, but I mean, are you a big planner? <laughs> absolutely um and you know like but it depends on I'm a very moody person too so it's like my mood can change that day and I'll be like okay like I can structure tomorrow a little bit differently like and put this one thing off for tomorrow which is terrible when it comes to working out because I've been saying tomorrow for a while <laughs> <laughs> what's a typical day look like then um, it's pretty different each day. Like, right. I mean, my Monday, my Mondays and Fridays are pretty much dedicated fully to the business. That's days for meetings, invoices, um, and a little bit of catching up. But the bulk of the week is um, mainly for projects and, you know, getting down to business and everything. Do you have like a routine? You get up early in the morning and meetings early in the day, invoices, and then creation time. Do you work better later on? Or is it just whatever feels right that day? Go with the muse. Um, whatever's right that day, I think. It's, it's hard, too, with mural projects, especially because I'll, I'll be there from, like, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then my body is just completely exhausted. Yeah, it wears you down. <laughs> yes, yes. So, like, recently, it's been putting in, like, 10 hours of muraling and then going home and crashing. And if I have energy, I'll answer a couple emails and stuff. <laughs> yeah, emails is the hardest part. Um, So how did you fall into this rabbit hole of lettering? Because I've been following your work for a couple years now, and I've watched you absolutely explode onto the scene. It's been a slow and steady grind, right? But year after year showing up, like, you've been doing this for how long now? Three years that I can think of. So I actually started in 2012 when I graduated college. I moved back home and being in the home I grew up, like where, you know, high school happened and high school is actually where I started lettering without even knowing it. Um, I was one of those really fun emo kids and everything. I listened to all that music and stuff and I was just like doodling lyrics in my notebook. So I was like, before I went to bed, I'd be on my phone playing Tetris and then I'd draw a little bit too. So being in that environment again, like I had that energy. I didn't want to go to bed yet. So I would letter a little bit. And then I started posting on Instagram and I would put like hashtag typography. And then I clicked that hashtag, not like 
totally not knowing that it would just give me this world of typography from around the world. And that's what led me to uh, discovering lettering because I had no idea that's what you even called it. Um, that's what led me to you. That's what led me to good type. Like I've been in Roxy, like all those um, 2012 people, um, Mrs. Eves. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's the design crush of mine. Yep. <laughs> right. But like, I, I remember all those people like who were killing it even back then. So just, you know, following their careers, uh, listening to podcasts too, and um, just slowly, you know, figuring out my voice and style. Like that's what took the longest. Yeah. And I, I feel like it, it doesn't stop evolving. Do you continue, do you feel like you found your voice and style or do you continue to like put, cause you, you have this undertone. I can tell when it's your work, but at the same time, then I see like these uh, tapestry designs and all these other different experiments, you know, do you constantly want to keep pushing the envelope or do you think you found your style that you want to be known for? Um, that's a great question. I think I'm more of like, I always want to discover this route or try this thing. Um, like with the tapestries, like, um, I definitely want to practice, um, I don't need tapestry design, but textile, textile design. Like, um, I went to one exhibit in Cleveland where I saw William Morris and that just like blew my mind. Um, so I was like dialing him for a couple pieces, but I just came back from Iceland and we went to a couple of museums there and I was really influenced. Like I, I want to try canvas painting a little bit because of something I saw there, like just experimenting here and there. But that's what I'm um, taking a break in July to um, tweak the schedule so I can like do some more passion projects because that's what leads you to the projects that you want to get. Well, that's probably what led you to being able to go full time, right? Back in January, yes, because I had an art show coming up. So I was like, okay, like I want to do what I want for this art show. And um, that's where the William Morris type um, tapestries um, pieces kind of went in and um, a lot of turn of the century typography too. Um, but what led me to go full-time freelance was I landed a six wall mural and I was doing like the, the scheduling. I'm like, I can't work 40 hours a week in advertising and do this mural by the deadline. So guess something's got to give. <laughs> I'm going to pry a little bit, but did you have like kind of like a nest egg somewhat saved up? I know they always say I have like six months of your income or, you know, I, I think it's just out there. Some people just uproot and, you know, go and do it and just take a leap like me. That's what scares me about it. I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I want to help as many people as I can with this. But um, I read Overlap by Sean McCabe. What's his last name? Sean McCabe of Sean West. Yeah, yes, yes. So he came out with this awesome book called Overlap, and it's all about like side hustles into full time gigs. But he even said, you know, make sure you're ready to take the leap by saving up, like you said. So, I mean, with a wedding and a honeymoon, that's kind of where all the money went. But um, I I come from a Slovenian family, and they are known for saving every penny, being super cheap. So I've always tried to live like I'm still in college, like you know, making like if I'm going to buy something, I really want to love it. Like I'm a minimalist. So I try not to own too many physical things and I try to be smart with my money. So that was like, you know, you try to, um, financially have the mindset, like you're going to live till 110. Right. <laughs> so definitely thinking about the future and being conservative when it comes to money definitely helps. So I saved as much as I could. I didn't put in a ton 
to my 401k. Like I could have put in more and they said, you know, load that up. But I wanted to be able to have that nest egg, like you said. So just balancing things and even doing the research. There's financial podcasts out there. So that helps too. go about attracting clients is the biggest thing because you're not you don't have an agent at the time being right 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 is that something you're looking forward as things really progress and pick up as you're able to charge more because the demand's there because it seems like cleveland is in high demand of lisa at the moment so that's the weirdest thing right now like i'm experiencing um a city that doesn't really have a ton of well-known um muralists i guess and so I'm just trying to own this monopoly as much as I can. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get a house. You can see I'm living in an apartment right now, but we want to get a house. We want to start a family. So I'm just going to try to knock out as much work as I can and kind of run the mural game. But I think, you know, five years down the road, maybe get more into branding and stuff that I could do from home with just a couple mural projects. But anyway, going back to your original question, how do you get clients? I started by there um when i worked in advertising i worked by a under a bridge there's a public chalkboard like wall just there and people are doodling their phone numbers and stuff is that the one we were gonna tag up but it was raining at wmc fest or is this a different one yes i think so unless that's someone you're by the bar because there's a couple like around the city public chalkboard that's so awesome right so I wanted to do a mural and um, I wasn't have I didn't have any clients. So luckily there's public chalkboard walls in Cleveland. So I just started chalking them up, knowing that they wouldn't last, but just colorful messages. I, the first one I did was uh, love where you live. And I drew a little lighthouse that was that you could see from the mural, like right on the lake. Sweet. And it made me happy. And then um, eventually I did a couple more and it landed me a, cover on Crane's Cleveland business. They did like a chalkboard cover with like me in the corner. That's awesome. It, it's so simple. Like it's what everyone says. Like put out the work that you want. Yeah. Side projects all day. That's, um, but it started off with you taking initiative. And for me, in order to attract similar things, like I had to show I could do the work. So there's a fine line between when exposure work is good to take on and when exposure work is just you know ignorance you know in, in the beginning did you have to say yes to some pro bono works to show that this is what you could do before you could start attracting the paid gigs yes absolutely and what's nice about um doing work for exposure you have a full-time job right now so you have the ability to still make money but also do a couple passion projects that will elevate your work and get your name out there so it's nice to do work for exposure when you do have money coming in from somewhere else. Well, and I find the value, like now it's hard to do exposure work. I'm down to do a pro bono project for a friend or, you know, someone who could really need the help at the moment, but a lot of local businesses and stuff try pivoting that shit on you. Like it's for exposure. And I'm like, come on, you don't know anybody else that does murals around here. Yeah, it's great. You know, I do this now around this area. So that, that really annoys me. And I see some of people way more talented than me getting hit up for like exposure, uh, like Kyle Latendra and people like that who are just juggernauts with huge clients under their belt and still people want to do that like that. You know, it's something I think that is wrong with the industry. 
Right, right. Oh my God. And what you wrote on Facebook, every listener should go to your Facebook and read this because it was just so well put. Like what you put about exposure saying like, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't um, hire a plumber for exposure. You know, you don't hire a lawyer for exposure, just putting it in terms that people can understand. Like Art is no exception. Well, and James Lewis, you know James, right? Yes, our time is value. Yeah, so, okay, I think I've been wanting to do a piece related to that. just haven't had time. So, all right, it's decided. Next week's episode is a solo, and it's going to be about our time has value. So, you're hearing it here. Okay, perfect. We're planning this now. Yes. Do you get hit up for exposure work often? Um. Or how do you respond if you do. Yeah. So, I mean, the most recent inquiry was in Australia. Some firm wanted me to do like a cover for their hate mail. And I thought it was like a fun project. You know, they have some hate mail coming in and they want to make light of that, but they wanted me to do a cover for free. And I'm like, this sounds like an awesome project. Like here's, I would love to help you guys out. Here's my budget. Like I, I can't do the work for free because this is my full-time gig. And of course they said, you know, maybe next time. <laughs> so like, it, you know, but it, it saved me time. It saved them time. If, if I would have taken it, I would have like, you know, kind of hated it and probably wouldn't have put out the best work because of that. So in the end, everybody wins. Because you got bigger, bigger fish to fry at the moment. So it's like you want to push the free stuff down the toilet pole. Absolutely. So how do you go about onboarding clients do you when they hit you up say probably email most people probably find you through instagram you know do you have some kind of questionnaire do you jump on a skype call with them or how does that work this is exactly why i'm taking like july to figure out how to go about doing this but i do have um a client survey on my website so if people um want to hire me you know there's a little call to action but um, they either can fill out, you know, a message saying, hey, I don't know what I want, but um, here's my email and we could talk. Or they fill out a client survey, you know, what what industry, who's the audience, what kind of project it is and stuff like that. Do you ask the budget up front? No, because <laughs> that's forever changing. I mean, um, you know that story of Pablo Picasso and the napkin doodle? I believe so, but you can totally tell the audience, yes. Yeah, it's for the listeners too. Um, I forget what book it's in, but um, Pablo Picasso is in a bar towards the end of his life and he's doodling on a napkin and, you know, he goes to throw it out. But this lady's like, hey, like, I, I would like to take that. Like, how much is it? And he said, like, two grand or just some crazy number. And she was like, what? And he's like, the, like, it's taken me all my life to get here. That's the worth of it. So I've been, I've kind of taken that to heart and just upping my price after every project. So you do you ask them for their budget though, not what your pricing is? No, <laughs> um, like some some clients do have a budget. Like I do some T-shirts for Harley Davidson, and they definitely have a set um, number. And they just come out right with it. Like some people do. Some people will say, "Hey, you know, this is what I'm working with." And then some of them you have to kind of pry it out of them as well. So I hear hit or miss asking budgets up front or proposing pricing outside of it. So, you know, I I hear mixed opinions and I'm still trying to work on when I need to ask it. Right, right. Like, I'm totally with you. And um, it's probably nice to have a podcast and ask everyone on the show, like, what they're like. (laughs) Oh, I ask everyone. Yes, yes, yes. You should do, like, a newsletter, like, based, like, 
just full results of what and what other people do and what works for them. But it, it'd be interesting to hear like when is a good time to ask for it up front and when should you pr- like price it out? But um, you know, like you said, if you um go to a lawyer, they they have the price for you. If you go to a doctor's office, they have like you have to pay this. So why should art be any different? Exactly, exactly. So let's see. From a pricing aspect, then, since you don't have an agent, this is a little bit easier to ask. Do you offer this is what you want, this is what it's going to cost, or do you offer several tiers? Like you could get this like basic, you know, super minimum mural, not so much detail. The standard is a little bit bigger with more detail, and then like the professional package. You know, I'm going all out, filling this whole area up to give them kind of options because I've been. I found in the past that I've pigeonholed someone into one option and it scared them away and I learned my lesson from that. But how do you go about it? Um, I think you <laughs> you have the answer that like the, the latter. Um, I have three tiers, you know, like you said, one color, one quote, not a lot of words. Like that's the basic. Um, the next tier, tier two is um, again, one quote, maybe it could be a little more words, but it's a couple accent colors. And then tier three is all out. And it's a psychological game. You know, you want to act like the client's choosing this. Yeah. Too. <laughs> and, and usually you're trying to like direct them to that, that middle spot. Who was I talking to? They said, if they tell you your budget, have that, that second tier be where the budget is. And then that third tier above it, you know, squeak up the price a little bit, but really try to do the value add to it and try to steer them to that. So like, I, I thought that was, I never really thought about that, but is your main focus then murals right now? Are you taking any other freelance on? Yes, I unfortunately already said yes to a couple weddings for friends and stuff, but it, it's fun because especially when you know the couple or you sit down and talk to the couple, you're having gone through a wedding, like I used to hate doing wedding stuff, but going through my own, I'm like, this is like the highlight of someone's life. So you want to like, you know, bring that to, to the table too, you know, the excitement and you want it to look good for them. How do you feel about discounts are you one of the ones who is free or full price or do you have like homie rates homie rates <laughs> i like the name of that um oh what do they call it in australia mate rates right mate rates ooh that sounds that sounds not <laughs> very good i'm i'm going to stick to homie rates <laughs> yeah, yeah. i was like that's good wait no my my dirty mind will flip it so no yeah <laughs> America definitely has taken that to the next level. Anyway, um, I, uh, yeah, I have discounted for friends before, but um, definitely have leaned away from it because, you know, I got to eat too. Exactly. And you're full time now. So free once in a while, or the exposure once in a while is totally okay, especially if you're taking that hobby and transitioning it to a side project. But once you start taking the side projects and some freelance and scaling that to a business like it makes it a lot harder yeah definitely well what what kind of things do you have coming up in the future wise that you're really really stoked about or what's been your favorite client project let's say in the last year Oh boy. I mean, um, okay. Well, first of all, uh, what's coming up. So, I mean, I have a pretty big mural, not that big of a mural gig, but another office space. Um, and that'll be, you know, pretty standard company values and, uh, different panels and it's right by their call center. So 
I find a lot of times that like people want these murals to just like spice up a very dingy office, you know, and get their employees excited. So that's what's like the most rewarding about these murals, you know, getting a whole company excited for what they do. Um, so I have that coming up. Um, not too much in fall yet. So I'm trying, I'm going to letter West. Are you speaking or attending? <laughs> no, attending, attending. Oh, I wouldn't surprise you. I'm not I, at that level. <laughs> I think it's a level you can totally obtain for sure. Oh, we'll see. I'm still finding myself. <laughs> That's good though. Yeah. So I'm actually trying to do a thing since I don't have an agent. I want to do a campaign where I'm giving $100 to anyone that gets me a mural project in their office. And I will give them $100 after the mural is complete. So I am paying someone to do the outreach for me because I don't have time to do it myself. That is genius. Did you come up with that? Yes. I was like, you know what? I should just pay other people to do this for me. Ah, honestly, I might have to steal that. And I'm in a small area where like everybody wants a mural, but not everybody sees the value and how much it would cost. But I like that incentive, but I have to like throw the caveat in there. $100 if you can land me a pain mural. Yes, yes. I, I plan to, you know, put a whole PDF together. Like, this is what you could forward to your boss. Like a, a presentation pitch deck on murals? Because Roxy and Phoebe have a killer one. Right? Uh, I haven't seen it, but, like, I just like the idea of attaching a PDF rather than saying go to this link because that's another step, right? So I'm planning to put together a PDF and a contract. Like, you know, I'm not paying you until, like, I get paid. <laughs> essentially but i want to like judge it up like you know this is what you need to do with a hundred dollars you could pay your bills you could it's like uh like one cell phone bill but um and just stuff like that a bottle of champagne lisa that's <laughs> genius I, i'm totally gonna have to uh borrow that one if that's okay absolutely <laughs> twisting your arm live on a show yes <laughs> i came up with that while painting a mural like it's it's so nice to have all that downtime painting because i'm listening to business audiobooks podcasts like it's just like you're getting inspiration while you're getting paid to do work. It's just, it's so nice. That's how it is at the day job. I'm just cramming as much like business, marketing, whatever I can listen to all day while I'm getting paid. So it helps me when I leave. That totally makes sense. Seeing you crank out all the content you do. Like, yeah, you, you definitely seem very motivated. So I get that. I keep like a, a running list of ideas literally all day that way. And I, I, pile them away for like a rainy day when I need something. It's like I can pluck it out. So Boom. definitely. I just wrapped up my first public um, painting gig. So that was on the side of a business building in the Gordon Square Arts District here in Cleveland. But it was through Land Studio and Land Studio does public art all around the city. They hired eight mural artists to do my neighborhood, Ohio City, last year. And I am just drooling over every single one of them. Like, they're so cool. So when they asked me to do it this year, I was like, holy shit, like, I have to do it. But caveat, I only had a month. I was the last artist they brought on. And they're like, it has to be done by May 31st. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to Iceland for a week. So this has to be done, like, super quick. And that was the um, Dream Big mural. And I had like the building owner give me his opinion. I had Hilton Hotels give me their opinion and what they saw. And then there's um, an LGBT center going up next door. So I had their opinions too. I'm like, 
oh my God, like, what am I going to do to make everyone happy for this? So just uplifting message, lots of colors. Um, but it, I loved it. I love working on it. Do you project all your murals? The one at Ohio desk that I'm working in currently is the first one I got to project. The first one? Yeah. It's, it's just always been crazy. Like I did too much daylight pouring in. I couldn't get it dark or I've been in a tight hallway where, you know, you can't project from far away. So it was like night and day having a projector. How did you do the other ones? Like tracing pad or like drawing a grid up? Magic. Magic. Okay. You know, um, uh, <laughs> that six wall mural I did in January and February. Um, I, I did the grid method cause I don't know, like I couldn't project that was in the tight hallway. So I took the, um, architecture chalk with the, where you snap the snap chalk and I did a whole grid foot by foot with an inch by inch on my iPad. So th- that was craziness. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you heard of like, there's like a pounce pad method as well where you use like carbon paper and yeah, you like trace it over it and it leaves like, you know how you would do it just on the normal thing. Um, Eric Friedensen has a really good how to transfer things on walls and that one just, yeah, I wish I would have known that one in the past for certain things. Cause yeah, there's some things I haven't been able to project and it was a pain in the ass. It was literally a grid by hand. Right. And like, that's good for what a quote or like a big colorful word. Right. I had a whole book to like fill pretty much. Yeah, that was wild. I don't think I could do like pound paper for something like very intricate like that. True. So did you just like freelance it and put like pencil or like small chalk on the wall for your outline or? Uh, Yep. Just kind of winged it. So yeah, did I did the sketch and chalk and then painted over it. What did a project like that? How long did that take? So people know that this shit isn't quick. Yes. So six walls three floors, um, which wasn't all typography. There was like a map in there too. That took a grand total of 153 hours just to paint, not the sketching or the concepting. Hopefully that gives you a year's salary because that is a lot of work. Well, I got this project when I was still... At the day job? uh, In advertising, yeah. So I'm like, oh, like I could... like And I was scared that, you know, I I didn't want to lose them. So it kind of charged uh, undercharged for sure. But totally, totally learned so much from that project. Everything takes like three times longer than expected. Usual, I find. So I always try to go into it expecting the worst and being pleasantly surprised if it goes quicker. Right. But that's a massive amount of work. So kudos to you. It's proof of concept now. Now you have like this in your back pocket and be like, hey, look what I can do for you. A hundred thousand. (laughs) god please someday someday we all know working for yourself isn't always sunshine and rainbows what are some of the obstacles you face right now doing your thing full-time whether it's balancing time making time for family and friends which i find a hard time with at times too you know what are some things that you you uh, deal with um a hundred percent yes time management like i just i want to pile i get excited for so many projects i i have a hard time saying no but i'm learning like as time goes on you will be glad you said no in the long run. So just learning how to manage, even saying no. Um, Time management, like I said, I'm taking a break in July just to like get into good habits when it comes to scheduling projects. Things take longer than you think. And I think that's why my June is so crazy. With murals especially, it's always been on a construction site and construction companies always mess up the timeline. So I'm the one getting screwed for that. 
Um, so definitely like factoring more time for murals and stuff. But like you said, making time for friends, that has been uber hard. But um, I, I definitely wanted to bring up the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because it is just like my Bible for life. And like he says in the book, you know, your values should dictate your time. So I'm practicing that. Like if, if something comes up in my family, I need to make time for that no matter what. Yeah, definitely. So I've gotten a lot better at it, but I would get in trouble with Emily at times. Like my wife needed to pull me out of my office or, you know, make a note that, you know, I've been in here all day working. You need to come and hang out. Do you ever get yourself in trouble with your husband? He, he, we do a good job of, you know, keeping the relationship going. We have date night once a week. That is mandatory. That's huge. And communication is huge. Yes. I mean, I think we're a good team too. Like he, um, came to the mural site, the, the outdoors one, and I had to use a lift. I'm terrified of heights. And they gave me a scissor lift. I think it's called a scissor lift. It's the like janky one. That's like, you know, it is terrifying because every time you move, it's like shakes so much. So I couldn't go any higher than like right under second floor. So he came up on the lift with me. I made him stay up there for like an hour. He was starving. And I mean, I felt really bad, but I like took him out to dinner for later. That's a keeper. That's a keeper. <laughs> See, that that's cool. That's what I've learned is the communication and trying to involve her more. So seems like you already learned that quicker than I did. I don't know about that. Well, and it, and it makes them want to support you know, more if they're a part of your dream. You know, if it's not just you and they're on the outside of the bubble looking in. Absolutely. Well, before we go into rapid fire, What's one piece of advice you give to a creative at any stage of life who struggles starting or sticking with it? If you're just starting out, I would just say, you know, keep keep the blinders up sometimes. Like, I think the hardest part for our jobs is scrolling on Instagram, seeing everyone doing like such cool projects and getting really down on yourself. Um, just know, like, it's so hard, but keep in mind that People took a very long road to get to where they are, especially if they're doing amazing, incredible work. So, you know, just keep your head down and focus on you when you're first starting out. But like, look to them for inspiration. I think um, Pinterest is a good one to go to for inspiration, too. Um, It's just not like that artist posting their work. You can find art like not attached to this like whole grand story. Um, It's kind of like it attaches the artist from the work sometimes because yeah instagram could be a whirlwind of emotions sometimes yeah um, (laughs) right uh other than that like um read listen to podcasts listen to audiobooks like that's what's really helped me get a good mindset because i think mindset is a huge part of our job too like you know just keep going put put in the work and you know, focus on what you want to do too. And not don't try to be someone else. And, you know, don't try to take another artist style because you really like it. You have to find your own voice. And that's what's going to make you great. Yeah, yeah. Doing things that interest you, you have no idea what eventually is going to hire you for you finding your own style instead of biting someone else's. What keeps you going when, you know, you're maybe having a, a funk or a phase that you're in? I'm trying to think of the last time I had like a funk, like I'll take breaks from work just to like recharge. But 
I think I have a problem where I want to do too many projects. Like, like you said, I have a list too. And I have like, knock on wood, I haven't found that lull yet just because, you know, I try to get away from the screen and go out in the world and detach myself. And I get inspiration from, you know, all these experiences, like going to Iceland or going to the museum, like that just leads to five new projects I want to do. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's go into rapid fire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> if you were on death row, what would your last slice of pizza be? So simple answer. Um, if you wanted to know my favorite pizza, it'd be a margarita pizza from this local shop here, Harlow's. But if I was on death row, I think I'd want to load that pizza with a ton of meat, a ton of toppings, and basically like put myself in a food coma so I'd be begging for death by the time I ate it. Ooh, what a unique spin. I like that. <laughs> All right, this one, I am not sure because you throw out so many different styles. Uh, script, serif, or sans serif? If you had to guess, what do you think? It's between two. Okay. I'd probably say serif. Yes. Okay. You win. Okay. Um, I love doing serifs and, you know, the, I like turn of the century, um, Art Nouveau style. So I definitely gravitate to the serif and script. I am like terrified of, like I try to avoid it at all costs, but sometimes you need it. See, serif's the hardest one for me and you pack in the details too. That's also something I, I like. A lot. I'm a details person. I don't like white space. You know, I, I'm trying to pack in as much as possible. So, you, so you're a minimalist in life, but definitely not in your work. Exactly. Isn't it so weird? Like, I have to have white walls, like not a ton of stuff, which I guess my kitchen doesn't really reflect that. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, everything goes on the paper. Like, it is just pure chaos. I, I hate white space like you. And I think that's why I like your work so much, because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like total visual overload. I like having something... People can zoom in or, you know, something that, you know, people can, you know, take some time to consume and look at, you know, and try and hide little things in there, too. That's always fun. Right. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. I'm ruining the rapid fire, but uh, what's your favorite typeface? Do you work with a lot of typeface lately? Yeah. Um. I mean. Well, you'd have to for inspiration, especially on those large walls, like with tons of words. You can't just letter up something off the top of your head with each one. Like that would take forever. I am so glad that you said that. Um, yeah, for this Ohio desk one, we had a very quick timeline. So I just went to Lost Type and, you know, picked all my favorite fonts and try to do very different ones. Like, here's one serif, here's one sans serif, here's like three display fonts. I think I saw Haymaker in there. Oh, you'll see like everything. That bevel font too. Like, Lost Type was my go-to for that project specifically because they curate like all those and they're so good so i'm like yes like these are the top notch ones yeah per yeah don't ever feel guilty about it especially if you have a strict time frame too like with a massive job it, you can't put in another 150 hours on something when you got more work down the pipeline like and and the the normal eye out there who's engaging with it they're gonna have no idea so yeah yeah so good work but my favorite font is playfair italics <laughs> play for italic i gotta remember which one that is have to look it up is that lost type i don't think so i i forget where i found it but i was um designing a website and found it through research for that and it was just so gorgeous like the italic version has instead of serifs it's like those round balls at the end i don't know if they have a like terminals yes yes but um it's just so beautiful and you could take that and like 
do flourishes with it. So oh, beautiful typeface. Perfect. If you were stranded on an island with only three possessions, what would they be and no cheating? Okay, so cheating is like a boat, right? You can't get off the island. Cheating was Nick Masani's. He was just like a speedboat, uh, a generator, and some other bullshit. So. <laughs> okay, I think mine are a little more practical than that. First of all, I mean, we went to Hawaii, so I'm trying to think if Hawaii didn't have like civilization, what would we do? I think I would get a bodysuit because I hate bugs and. There's like terrifying banana spiders there. So I would get one of those bodysuits that like lock at the wrists and the ankles. So nothing's crawling on me. Genius. Um, <laughs> I think if possible, and if this is not cheating, I would want a iPad um, fully charged so I could like suck all the juice in one sitting. But with pre-downloaded, since there's no Wi-Fi videos of how to build a hut, how to maintain a garden, how to build a bow and arrow, stuff like that. All the seasons of Survivor Man downloaded or Bear Grylls or something. Yes. Yes. But eventually that will die. Um, so I would need a notebook and pen to record all my notes and I think keep track of days and stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Notebook, iPad and body suit. Well thought out. We, we asked what's kind of on the horizon, but where can people go to find you online? Um, I would say Instagram is the best place right now. I think um, I also want to take another look at my website and spruce that up because it hasn't been updated since November. Everybody keeps saying the website's the last thing they touch. Like me too. My I can't even stand looking at mine. Oh my God. But like when Instagram goes out of style, where are people going to go to find you? You know, like if, like if Instagram just blows up tomorrow, I would be at a loss. So Definitely need to get the website up and running. <laughs> you don't have a website right now? I, I do. I, yeah. Just not updated, updated. Okay, okay. Anywhere else? Are you active on Dribble? Yeah, I'm on Dribble too. Um, I try to, I need to post more. Like, this is the thing. I need to, I wanted, like, Dribble will be Monday and Behance will be Tuesday. My website will be Wednesday. My Behance went silent. Yeah, I need to pick that up. Oh, uh, Instagram, what's your handle? Oh, it is Lisa underscore, underscore Quine. Quine, that's how you said it. Yes, I've been wondering. Q-U-I-N-E. Yes. Okay. So I want to do a post that looks like um, an Art Deco like liquor poster, and it says Quine rhymes with wine, and I'll do like a wine glass and stuff like that. But Perfect. It's to get people to know how to pronounce it. Yes, and you never know what kind of work you're to attract from there. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> I should be thinking of this exactly lisa thank you so much for making this time it's about damn time i had you on the show and i'm stoked that you were stoked to be on with me today and sharing all this wisdom so thank you so much for dropping all this value we appreciate you oh thank you for having me this is this has actually been a dream of mine to be on your podcast show oh wow awesome well thank you let's keep in touch and enjoy your july thank you you too Lisa Quine, ladies and gentlemen, it's been absolutely amazing to watch her career explode over the years as she is a shining example of putting in the work and tracking opportunities. I have no doubt she'll be one of the big names in the industry in the coming years, and I'll have my popcorn ready to enjoy the show. Also, she does have her $100 mural referral game going on right now, so if you're in the area or you can land her any type of traveling mural, please check that out and you'll get $100 in your pocket if you land her a nice paying gig. 
If you found some value in Lisa's wise words today, don't hesitate to reach out and send some love her way. Thank you, Lisa. You rock. Moving on to this week's dose of inspiration, and this one goes out to Nicholas Cross of at I am Nick Cross on Instagram, and that's Nick with a K. If you haven't learned by now, I was a huge Pokemon fan growing up. I had all the cards and played every game on Game Boy, Nintendo 64, Game Boy Advance, yada yada, Pokemon Go, you name it. I probably played it until of recent. You know, Nick is almost finished with his 151 skeleton series of the original Pokemon. And the amount of detail and creativity he puts into these are insane. And my personal favorite is Ditto. That one's pretty hilarious. But check out his full illustrative series again on Instagram. That is at I am Nick Cross. Especially if you're a Pokemon fan, you will love his work. I want to talk about the Facebook community right now. So if you're looking for accountability, a place to share your work, people to collaborate with, give and receive solid feedback, get access to solid resources that'll help you elevate your creative game, then I encourage you to check out the Perspective Dash Collective Facebook group. We have a thriving community building right now. I love to see people collaborating all over the world and just sharing their work freely, asking for feedback, getting re-feedback. It's just an awesome community, and I am just so stoked to see how it's slowly been growing because I only plug it here on the podcast because I want the right people in. So if this is something that interests you, hop on Facebook and search for The Perspective Dash Collective to get involved with some rad people such as yourself. If you're enjoying what you hear and you want to support the growth of this show, I have a few ways you can make that happen. The first way, as I mentioned in the intro, is by becoming a backer at patreon.com slash perspective podcast. Your pledge not only helps support the growth of the show, but I do my best to hook you up with some rewards, so it's a win-win. The second way to support the show is for you crypto heads out there. In the show notes for each episode, I'll have addresses for Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin donations if you prefer to go that route. And finally, you can subscribe and leave a rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It not only helps the show get discovered, but it gives me an opportunity to give you a nice little thank you plug like this week's rating and review. And this one comes from Scott Hofford, and he titles it, The Inspiration is Real. Scott says, if you're an artist or designer trying to build something more than a side project with your passion, this is one of the most inspiring podcasts you will find. Oh, shucks. Scotty shares how he overcomes his relatable struggles and gives you the motivation you need to make a career out of what you love to do. Just listen to one episode and you'll realize his authentic desire to inspire. Thank you, Scott. If you haven't checked out Scott's iconoflage work or his design abilities, I highly suggest you check him out. That's Scott Hofford, H-O-F-F-O-R-D. Look him up. You will not be disappointed as well. And as a sign off, I need to give a few much needed thank yous out to people like Anya Brennan for editing and making this episode sound so good. Also, new to the team is Paige Garland, who's taking over the show notes at the moment, and I'm slowly giving her more tasks to do so it can free me up to focus on bigger picture tasks. And finally, Nick Jenkins of Bluka for all the dope theme music you hear on the show. Check them out over at SoundCloud or Instagram at Bluka, that's B-L-O-O-K-A-H. And as you finish off your week strong, I want to continue to encourage you to keep showing up, keep putting in the work, and keep creating. You got this.